All right, a new year, which means our first edition in 2024 of the K-Raj podcast. Kerry Crowley, Roger Munter, back here with you talking Giants baseball. Roger, how are you? My goodness, Kerry, how are we going to cover all of the news that has taken place since we last spoke? Um, no, I, I'm great. It's been a wonderful holidays, uh, very relaxing. I hope the same for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really looking forward to this, too, because you talk about all the news, and I think a lot of Giants fans would have wished that some of that news was better since the last time <laughs> we spoke. I don't know that we have talked since Yamamoto signed with the Dodgers, uh, since Tom Murphy was the Giants' big signing. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah. Have we have we not talked since Yamamoto? I was, I was thinking we had covered that, but I was hoping yeah, we had <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think maybe we did. We covered that. We covered Jung-Hoo Lee. And so uh, Tom Murphy to the Giants has been the move that we didn't cover. Well, and Tom Murphy to the Giants, which makes perfect sense to me, has some implications, does it not? Um, it does. It, it would does. certainly seem to end the Joey Bart era uh, with the Giants. It probably means Blake Sable is an optionable piece. Um, and also Tom Murphy, when healthy, big win doing a lot of work there has been a fantastic hitting catcher um and i think kind of i don't think there's going to be a platoon at catcher but i think you're going to see him take a take his starts against left-handers which makes sense because uh patrick bailey has always been stronger from the left side uh traditionally so yeah there's a lot of ramifications there i don't know do you want to talk about joey bart at all well, I, I don't think we need to spend much time on it, but I do think that for Joey and for the Giants, it's good that he's getting a change of scenery. I, I think that, you know, all that was placed on him when he was the number two overall pick in 2018, that's already difficult. And then 2020, when Buster Posey opts out, uh, the Giants brought up Joey Bart when he just wasn't ready. He didn't have the higher upper level minor league reps that you needed. And I was among the many people who said, bring him up because he gives this team the best chance to win right now. But you were comparing Joey Bart to Tyler Heineman and Rob Brantley at the time. And so <laughs> it was just going to be difficult for Joey Bart to make that adjustment. And look, uh, there's too much swing and miss in his game. Patrick Bailey surpassed him on the depth chart. And now he becomes a really tradable piece for a Giants team that, Roger, if we're being honest, it probably has to trade some guys this winter to make it a successful offseason right now. I mean, we've we've talked about that before, and I'm sure, obviously, this has been a really slow developing winter for a wide variety of reasons. And typically, the trade market, I think, develops after the free agent market clarifies. So maybe some of this stuff will break loose. But there are places on the roster where it just is frozen right now because of some of the some of the people there. So they're going to have to trade people. I agree with you that I'm. I hope. Joey gets a new start somewhere. Um, I think I think whoever acquires him is acquiring him as a backup catcher. I don't think Joey Bart's going to get a starting position anywhere. He hasn't really earned it. And uh, baseball is a, you know, Dusty Baker once said, this is not a giving it away business. This is a making you earn it business. He's going to have to go out and make his way now. Uh, hopefully it'll be easier away from the expectations. I do think that, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about, it doesn't matter because the the previous regime drafted him. You know, that, that's not really how baseball organizations think. They want to make the most of the talent they have on hand. And for whatever reason, they weren't able to do that with Joey. Um, we have a few top 100 type guys who that's been true of in a row now. And, and, and that needs to be a streak that stops <laughs> pretty soon, right? They need to find some of these guys, help some of these guys find their way to 
their real potential uh, and get out of this history they've had the last few years of not being able to develop the potential of their top 100 guys. So uh, hopefully Joey's the, the last of those guys we have for a while. Um, I don't know. Do you want to talk a trade market? Who do you think, like when you look at this roster, who do you think is most appealing to another team that they might be able to use in an interesting trade piece? Well, I think that you look at the guys who have value right now and Joey Bart's value is suppressed because he is a former top prospect who got older, who things didn't pan out for him at the major league level. And so you look at young pitchers are in command. We've seen, you know, the pitching market and free agency, Roger, go crazy. Lucas Giolito, who had a terrible second half of the season, got $38 <laughs> million from the Red Sox. There are guys, Luis Severino signed for more than $10 million. If you can throw the baseball right now, you're getting money on the free agent market. If Ross Stripling hit free agency today, he might get $12 million. Seriously, that that is the point where we're at. And so when you consider that, when you consider what Keaton Wynn and Tristan Beck project to do at the major league level, I think those are the two guys that the Giants could dangle in trades and say, look, five, six years of team control, these are players who you could legitimately say are worth giving up good talents for. And I think the same is probably true, but not necessarily in the same way for Luis Matos and Wade Meckler, because these are two guys who are, you know, have AAA reps, albeit not many for both of those players. They have major league reps, albeit not many, probably going to need more seasoning in AAA this year, but young cost controlled players, especially for these small market teams and the teams where the TV deals are uncertain. If they were with Bally sports, they're likely cutting payroll in 2024. So I think there are ways the Giants could trade some of their young players and acquire veterans and, and immediately upgrade. It's just a question of who do you trade and what are you getting in return? Because this is a Giants team that has some promising kids and a Giants organization that must get back to the postseason, that must play more compelling baseball. And so you're trying to juggle two things are seemingly at odds with each other, you know, developing from within and developing that future core and competing right away. Yeah. And one thing that you kind of hear a lot from fans who, who pay attention to developing players is you don't want to block people at, at various positions. It's coming up with with uh, Matt Chapman talks uh, that we can get into a little bit because I would like to talk more about Matt Chapman. Oh, yeah. The major league season is really, really long. Players get opportunities. You are going to get an opportunity somewhere along the way. I, it's very rare that players are truly blocked. You know, good players are going to find avenues to success. And, you know, if you're talking about, in this case, you know, Casey Schmidt or Louis Matos or Wade Meckler, well, they got, you know, pretty long runway last year and they did not seize the opportunity. Uh, and and baseball is an industry that it moves on. And if, if you yeah. don't get that first opportunity, you're going to have to wait for it to come back to you. And that's that's just the nature of things, because the most precious commodity in the game is playing time. And you can't just give it away in, in huge, huge quantities. So. I agree. You've got to like make this roster as good as it can be. And then the young guys are going to get their opportunities along the way. Um, but I do think you're smart to point at, well, first, you know, when and when and back, those two are really, really, they have a valuable asset in the marketplace right now. If you want to speak in those kind of horrible terms, um, Mont <laughs> Montos might be the guy who is, uh, you know, Farham was on the, the, the TK show this week. And he talked about the guys you kind of swallow hard and give up. Matos might be that guy because yeah. I don't think Luciano 
is, and I'm pretty sure Harrison's not. Montas is really the guy with the upside, the near major league readiness, and the potential to be a big chip if you need a big chip at this point um, in, in a bigger way than almost anybody else in the organization. I mean, Mason Black is kind of there and, you know, Carson Wisenhunt. But if you want a hitter, it's really Matos who's probably at that line between upside and availability for the yeah. Giants, I think, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, look, he can probably play all three outfield positions. There were questions about center field fit. I, I just think that when his conditioning gets better this offseason, and it inevitably will, we'll see the glove in center field. I, I think that he'll be able to stick there. And teams love, you know, young kids. He's still, what, 22 years old? He, he's still got... He's a, not a, even 22 yeah, years he's old. He's not even 22 years old. So, <laughs> I mean, that... Teams love youth. They love athleticism and his bat to ball skills are really good. And so there's going to be moments for Luis Matos. And I think those moments can come in an organization that can give him 300 or 400 at bats. And if you're the San Francisco Giants, Roger, can you give Luis Matos 300 or 400 at bats this year with the way that your outfield currently sets up with Michael Conforto, with Mitch Hanniger, with <laughs> Jung-Hoo Lee, with Mike Yastrzemski, with Austin Slater? I don't know that those at bats are there. I mean... If something goes wrong, as as happened last year, right? Um, I guess the other question is, because I do believe in Louis Matos. I mean, it's it's really important to, to, to note how well his bat-to-ball skills translated from the minors to the majors, right? We saw Wade Meckler. That wasn't true of. He, he really struggled with breaking balls, and he struggled with off-speed balls when he got up to the majors. That really wasn't true of Matos. He got his ball on stuff, his bat on the ball, just as well as he ever had in the minors. There was impact issues, but at 21, again, you think that you can build up the body and get over that. Once he can impact the ball more, the the context skills are so good that I still believe in him as a as a good major league starting outfielder, um, or at the very least, a really good fourth guy. Um, yeah. But let me flip that aside. Is is there a way to break some of the logjam of the veterans? Would you would you rather use him as a good trade piece and get something from somebody, or would you rather try and say, "Hey, Michael Conforto does have a good record of being a a, a decent bat. Is there somebody out there who needs just a solid bat?" I mean, uh, you, division trades are always tough, but you know, the San Diego Padres are are down there with like no outfield kind of. Um, <laughs> there, there are clubs that need bats out there which is that a trade that you would rather make and try and create more opportunity for for Amatos? yeah I, I mean i think i personally would rather trade a conforto and i'm thinking about this long term just because it's been so long since the giants developed homegrown outfielders there's a lot more excitement in having a luis matos potentially become someone than watching michael conforto be a league average player with a below average glove i mean conforto if all goes right for him in 2024 He'll hit 20 to 25 home runs, bat 260. And this is if all goes right for him. And I don't know that that's that much more valuable to the Giants than giving Luis Matos the playing time to go out and, and prove himself, you know, to, to go out and show that he can be potentially an everyday player or find out that he's a fourth outfielder at the major league level. And so I, I lean giving Matos that opportunity in the organization do I think the organization leans that way? I don't right now because I think it feels the pressure of needing to compete in 2024 and needing to win in 2024. And if you were betting on who would 
be more productive for you next season alone. I think you're betting on Conforto and, yep. and look, I, I don't know that there's gonna be a massive difference, but this is an organization that plays the numbers and the numbers are going to tell you that Conforto is going to have a more productive season. What's, what's kind of interesting to me is if you, if you look at the roster now, the position player side, you know, is what it is. We had obviously some real offensive fallout last year, uh, but there's still a lot of capable hitters on there. The position, the pitching side is quite thin. And I, I think that's a little shocking when you look at it that, I mean, you almost don't have six names to put in a rotation right now. And to me, that really is what has to be addressed first. And I'm sure, you know, they tried with Yamamoto. I'm sure they're talking to Snell and, and Imanaga. And and some of those names need to, they need to acquire one of those guys because, yeah, or, or swing a trade for a Dylan Cease because that right now is the biggest weakness as this roster has, I think. Yeah, uh, and you bring it up. I think right now, this roster, because of their lack of pitching, is like a 72-73 win roster. You know, <laughs> you throw in a Blake Snell or a Shota Imanaga or a Dylan Cease or a Corbin Burns, whoever you get, and the ceiling goes so much higher. It's not just throwing in like a four-win pitcher or a three-win pitcher if you're using war as your metric. It's lengthening the staff, which is what they need to do. I, I think they, quite frankly, need two reliable starting pitchers right now because to count on Ross Stripling and Anthony DiSclefani to take down innings for you after the seasons that they had and in DiSclefani's case didn't have last yeah. year, you're going to see a lot of Tristan Beck and Keaton Wynn and Mason Black and the Giants haven't developed pitchers to throw 130 to 160 innings. We've talked about this. You know, Kyle Harrison is not built up to take down 150 innings next year, even though every Giants fan would love to see it. So I think they've put themselves in a corner here, Roger, with the the need to go out and add pitching. It's not just a want right now. It's a you're not going to make it through 162 games without Kaiway Tang taking down 15 <laughs> starts right now. Yeah, you cannot go into spring with Kyle Harrison being your number two starter, which is what they have really right now. You, I mean, yeah. given that Cobb is going to be out and, and you don't know quite how long those rehabs take, they always take longer than you think. Mm -hmm. Anthony DiScofani has essentially not been healthy for two years now uh, and really three of the last four. I don't even know how much future he has on this team, although right now they have to have that arm. Uh, Stripling, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. It's it it. I don't know where the payroll has has room for this, but I don't think it, it's like Snell and or Imanaga. I think, you know, they need both of those guys and they need two really, really good guys to push this bigger group down to four, five, six, seven. Uh, or, yeah, they're, they're going to be in some trouble. Yeah, absolutely. So when we decided to do this 2024 episode, first of the year of the K-Raj podcast, there was a topic that we both wanted to talk about. And I, I have not had a good segue to it yet. We've teased it a little bit, but this is the idea of, okay, so we've already talked about Blake Snell, Shota Imanaga, the Giants need for those pl those players because they're pitchers. Is there a need for a Matt Chapman right now? And would he block Casey Schmidt or someone else on the roster? How do you view Matt Chapman? Because he is a very polarizing player. If you read the comments section on my YouTube. I, you know, the comments don't seem to want any <laughs> it's funny because they want something to happen but they don't want anything in particular to happen uh there does seem to be a lot of anti matt chapman sentiment particularly with the presence of jd davis and i'm 
it kind of drives me a little bit crazy. I will say that uh, I understand that J.D. Davis is a pretty good player and that Chapman is going to be getting older and you're paying, you know, for his past. But there is all the different, I think people tend to think of war, if you want to use that, in a, as a linear thing rather than as an exponential thing. J.D. Davis has spent his career being a one and a half to two war player. Matt Chapman has spent his career being a three to four war player. And there's all the difference in the world between those two things. One of them is kind of a platoon bench, uh, second division starter. One of them is a really good first division starter. You take that guy, put him on your team. You take the one and a half war guy, put him on your bench. You take the below replacement player, which is what Casey Schmidt was last year, put him in triple A. And you've got like three different levels of win there. And yes, it's going to be expensive. And yes, Chapman is going into his decline phase, but he has been a very, very high floor player. And I think that's how you strengthen rosters that you kind of build it. So, you know, the, the sort of good guy becomes the guy who's not used as much. The guy who's causing a problem is your depth in the AAA. And again, I don't, I just don't worry about blocking quote unquote prospects. Guys yeah. are going to get their opportunity if they prove that they're worthwhile if it's really, really impossible, you know, they'll still be a useful trade player. You don't really block good players. Good players find a way to prove themselves capable at some point in time is what I think. Yeah, I completely agree. And I'll use the example of Tyro Estrada entering 2021. He wasn't on the roster. The Giants acquired him in a waiver trade with the New York Yankees after the Yankees DFA'd Tyro Estrada. They brought him in. He went to AAA. He played some games in the big leagues. He really wasn't that big of a factor until Brandon Crawford went on the injured list and the Giants had to turn the shortstop position over for 10 days to Tyro Estrada. And then over the course of the season, you know, he pitches in at second base. He plays a little third base. He goes to the outfield on occasion. And all of a sudden, he's in the lineup a little bit more because you could count on him a little bit more. You know, he became one of those dependable depth pieces in 2021. They give him the opportunities in 22, 23. And going into next season, he's one of the most dependable players the Giants have. And this is someone who started out as a waiver claim, 40th on the roster, and he wasn't really supposed to be used if all went according to plan. And now he's someone who potentially a gold glove second baseman with what he's done. And so I think that you bring up Chapman as raising the floor. And I completely agree with you because he's someone who has, look, Matt Chapman's played 150 games almost every season he's been in the bigs, or at least 140. J.D. Davis never does that. J.D. Davis has not been used in that way. And when the Giants exposed him during the second half of last season, when he was facing you know, right-handers and left-handers, when he was playing every day, the numbers plummeted. You know, the numbers fell off for J.D. Davis. And, you know, he can be a really effective part-time player. If you get him in the right matchups and he's coming off the bench and, you know, you got a guy who goes on the injured list for 10 days. Well, J.D.'s a great guy to plug in. But you don't want to sign up for 155 games of J.D. Davis. That's not something that winning teams in the past have done. Yeah, I mean, the, there are a lot of guys on this roster who have done that, who've worked their way into more playing time. I mean, Lamont Wade Jr. is obviously one of them. Michael Ustremski is one of them. J.D. Davis is too. But putting an even better player on top of that just makes the whole thing work, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Which brings me to a topic I really wanted to circle back around to, and that is the shortstop situation. Yeah, Uh, that's good. Now, 
I really like Marco Luciano getting a chance. There's something exciting about that. If he reaches his potential, he can provide impact for this team in a way that almost nobody else in the organization can. But now you talk about, you know, having that sub replacement guy kind of getting more at bats than you want him to. There is like no plan B right now. There is, it's, it's Luciano, then Tyler Fitzgerald and Casey Schmidt. It's like absolutely no certainty at this position. If something goes wrong, if there's an injury, that is a thin depth chart. And I think they have to figure out something about that without necessarily blocking Luciano. But you want somebody who is good, who can be plugged in there if if Marco, you know, struggles or gets hurt again or, you know, any of these things while still having that playing time open. That's a tricky thing that they have to figure out because right now that is a real I, I feel like shortstop has for 15 years been like this has to go right because if this one guy gets injured <laughs> everything's going everything's falling apart uh and it's kind of that way again they've really struggled with this sort of backup shortstop concept somehow man no love for the kelby tomlinson era behind brandon crawford <laughs> the backup shortstop roger didn't he homer off a shot? i mean come on no, but but I, I think I, that, I love me some Joaquin Arias, but <laughs> yes. Yeah. I do think that this is maybe the most interesting element of where the Giants position player, you know, picture lands during spring training. Because whether you sign Matt Chapman or not, whether you sign Reese Hoskins at first base or not, and look, they've got Wilmer Flores and Lamont Wade Jr. So you're probably gonna have to pull off a trade if something like that's going to happen. I think that there's just no perfect fit. When you look around Major League Baseball right now and say the Giants want someone who can play shortstop but isn't going to block Luciano but is still going to provide positive contributions at shortstop because the player who might be able to do that best is if you're just looking for an average glove at the position around all of Major League Baseball might be Tyro Estrada, you know, because Estrada plays some shortstop. It's not great. He's, a, he's a above average, very good defender at second base, but he's not a real true shortstop. And so do you go into the, the season thinking Estrada could beat that guy and then you use Casey Schmidt and Tyler Fitzgerald at second if Luciano isn't ready? Do you bring in a Jonathan India via trade, even though he doesn't play shortstop? Uh, because the, the Reds, you know, have that logjam of young guys in the infield that they're excited about. And I just... There's like no perfect guy out there to fill the void and still be a decent contributor. Yeah, I think that I know the people in the front office look at projections. I just don't think they're going to put all of their money on a lot of guys who don't project to be replacement level players. And and yeah. everybody kind of behind Tyro fits in that bucket of like, you know, I would be I want to see what Tyler Fitzgerald can do. Do I want to depend on him as the only middle infield backup player I have? Uh, so I don't know whether it's, you know, maybe it's just a cheap deal for Tim Anderson or yeah. Ahmed Rosario, who now you talk about a bad defensive shortstop, but still he's a veteran who can hit, who can fill in at he second base. He can put on the glove and he's lined he can, up there before. He can put the glove on. Um, <laughs> there's some level of, backup certainty that you can get there or even just like a, a do what you know the Dodgers did last year when Gavin Lux got hurt where they trade for Miguel Rojas and say we know he can go out and play the position yeah. 
He's not going to hit, but he can play the position. Even something like that, maybe we can see them do. Um, trading for Adames, I, it wouldn't be a terrible thing. Again, you're bringing more value to the club, and you sort of figure out the the playing time later as things play out. But it's never bad to bring talent to the club. I think that's what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. So question for you on on this because i know that you've studied him through years of minor league baseball he's been in the organization through 2006 since 2016 marco luciano as a shortstop is it his position 365 days from now is it his position five years from now so i i have had so many conversations with people about marco luciano as a shortstop people in the giants organization going back a lot of years and it's 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 something people have watched carefully. When I saw him as like a 19 year old, I kind of thought, ah, I'm not sure it works. He, you know, he's a tall guy and he, he, he played with kind of a high center of gravity and it always seemed like he was, there was an effort in going down after balls, you know, like Brandon Crawford was a really tall guy who, who played low. Yeah. Um, and, and Luciano didn't really play that way. There was a certain stiffness going down. And um, that's what always made me think, ah, I'm not sure it's going to work. But I will say in Richmond this year, I saw a player who was fluid, who played low to the ground, who moved pretty well out there. Um, and it was really interesting because he showed up uh, when he first showed up. He hadn't played much shortstop in, in the spring. Um, he had had the back and he had a shoulder issue. So he, he hadn't played defense much when he got to double a and the first few games, I was like, oh, boy, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to work. But then he started just you know, getting into the rhythm of the game and moving around. He worked really hard on his footwork and he has, I think, sneaky good footwork. Um, he's got a big arm and, uh, you know, I think the internal clock still has a ways to go, but I was watching him like, yeah, I, this can work. I I can see this. And I'd have conversation with other people in the Giants organization and they're kind of going through the same thing, I think, where people were saying he looks pretty good out there. Um, by the time he left Richmond, I was thinking, you know what? I think he can be a 30 homer shortstop. <laughs> so, uh, I was really impressed this year. Um, yeah. it's, it's really interesting. He changed so much both defensively and offensively. His offense approach changed completely this year. And I was just having a conversation earlier today, uh, with Robert Orr, who wrote this great, great piece for baseball prospectus, um, that I can't recommend too much, which was about selective aggression. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and versus passivity as a hitter. And he actually said, oh yeah, I ran the numbers on AAA. And it's like, yeah, Marco kind of does look a little passive this year. So it'll be interesting to see if they tweak that uh, slightly this year. He was really trying to be patient and work long at bats. And I wonder if they'll dial that back uh, because he, he let, he left some, some meat on the table there, I think with his offensive approach this year, but yeah. I do like the, the defensive ability. I think he can do it for a while. Uh, that's very encouraging to hear and makes me less inclined to believe that the Giants would pull off a trade for an Adamas if he can stick there and maybe more inclined to think that, okay, a Tim Anderson or an Ahmed Rosario is the path forward here just to cover opening day the first few months of the season because of the belief that, in my opinion, that Luciano will take over and seize the position by the All-Star break. I, I think if there's a one development the Giants need to have internally this year at the Major League level the maybe the most transformative thing would be Marco Luciano proving he's the everyday shortstop moving forward, maybe even more so than Kyle Harrison proving that he's a number one or a number two because Luciano's on the field every single day taking yeah. 500 at bats over a course of a season. 
Yeah, I was watching your your uh, your last video. We were talking about the five most interesting players to watch, and I know you said Kyle Harrison number one. For me, it's it's Luciano because of this issue, because of he can provide an impact that no one else really can. Kyle Harrison, who I who I have great great faith in developing into a special player, if he has struggles this year, you know there is Keaton Wynn, there is Mason Black, there is Tristan Beck. But there's no other Marco Luciano. He can do something for this organization right now that I don't think anybody else can do. Um, And that's what makes his success or failure so fascinating, a subplot to the 2024 season that they just haven't had. They've never had a player like this, really. Uh, The potential for a 30 homer shortstop is kind of crazy. It doesn't exist out there. No, no. So where does that leave Casey Schmidt in the plans? And where does that leave Tyler Fitzgerald? They'll just get their reps. I think they will get their reps. I think you want to, in a best case, have them in AAA starting out, you know, and fill in as, as necessary because those opportunities are going to be there. Um, and that's, that's how you work in players. Um, you know, Casey has, has some things to work on. He obviously, had a difficult first season and things looked better at the end of the year. Um, but he had a long time to figure it out at the major league level and it, it, it didn't really work there. So I think, yeah, work in AAA, get better. Uh, you know, Mike Ostrimski can tell him the value of keep working, keep getting better and let opportunities come to you. Uh, Matt Chapman's in his thirties. Uh, Marco Luciano has had, an injury history. Uh, Tyro Strato has been on the IL each of the last two years. There will be reps to be had for these guys and you want them to fight for them and you want them to take them when they, when they come and seize them. Yeah. So we've talked plenty about the position player side of things now. And Roger, I kind of want to ask you, this is a last question for us. There's so many interesting things that will just take place naturally over the course of the season with watching Kyle Harrison pitch with watching Marco Luciano take his at bats. What's the most interesting thing that you'll be watching for over the next month leading into spring training for the giants? Oh, what I'll be watching before we get to spring training player acquisition Uh, standpoint. uh, I I mean, to me, it's the pitching. I, I just think there has to be something that makes it so that, Harrison and Wynn and Beck are fighting for those fourth and fifth spots and Cobb is taking, you know, a three or a four when he works his way back. It's got to fill in that two and three spot in, in the pitching staff because, uh, you know, I, I don't know what we're playing at. If that doesn't happen, a lot of things have to go right. If, if that doesn't happen, um, yeah, for me, it's it really is all about run prevention, which I, I think Chapman helps with too. I mean, uh, Marco Luciano at shortstop looks better if he's got a gold glover, you know, a platinum glover to his right, I think. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's all about a pitching acquisition for me. How about for you? I, I think the same thing. And for me, it's Snell and Imanaga in particular. I, I don't know why, but I, I watched Jordan Montgomery a lot last year, especially during the second half of last year, and I liked him. But it doesn't move the needle for me in the way that and I know a lot of people hate the idea of giving Blake Snell a $200 million contract because of the walks, because he's <laughs> in the games. But if you miss bats at the major league level and Blake Snell misses bats an elite rate, 
That's a quality that not many people can give you. And it's a quality that I think would be great for a Giants team that you know, I wonder how they're going to defend behind Logan Webb next season if they don't bring in a Chapman and, you know, Brandon Crawford isn't coming back and they've got questions in the infield because Logan Webb rolls ground ball after ground ball and the Giants converted those into outs last year. And so uh, I think that that's going to be fascinating to see. And then, uh, you know, Imanaga for so many different reasons, but I've long felt the Giants needed to get into the Japanese market. We've seen Otani and Yamamoto now go to uh, now go to the Dodgers. We've seen the Padres scoop up a few relievers. We've seen the Giants sign Jung-Hoo Lee out of Korea. I think it would be great to see the Giants get into the Japanese market and sign Imanaga, who the Stuff Plus, which Eno Saris touts from the World Baseball Classic, was elite last year. So that should yeah. give people I mean, he's a 30-year-old, so he doesn't have Yamamoto's youth, but he he's a quality pitcher. And yep. I, I also think it would be interesting from a standpoint, I know the division is not, uh, divisions matter less and less all the time. Still, having three lefties in a rotation is a really interesting way to go attack the Dodgers. Yeah. Who I think are pretty prone to left-handed pitching. So, so I, I would love to see him get both of those guys. Um, I also will say, so where I thought you were going to ask me the question, what's the thing I'm most going to be watching this year? And it oh, really yeah. is Jung Hu Lee's at bats because one, he really looks like a fun, a fun hitter. He's got a really interesting swing and it's just, it's so the unknown of like, how does this translate that that to me is, but beyond Luciano is maybe the most uh, the thing I'm rewatching most closely this year. Yeah, a- another polarizing player in the comments section of my videos. I am of the belief that Jung Hu Lee is going to succeed in the United States. That it'll be a good investment for the Giants, or at least they'll come close to recovering the investment. A lot of people are out on the idea altogether because the KBO is Double A baseball. But look, he's 25. He's still got his prime ahead of him, and. He was a magnetic character. If you listen to people who, who know the KBO well, people loved watching Jung-Hoo Lee play baseball. And the Giants, they need that element because this has been a boring team. And they desperately need the contact element because this has been a team that loses rallies to strikeouts over and over and over again. Um, so I agree. I, I think the lesson here, Kerry, is is don't go into the comments section because nobody <laughs> likes nobody likes anything in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm off of Twitter, but I found my way onto YouTube. But seriously, <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. Okay. So next time we come together, we're going to be talking about pitcher sightings. Is that the idea? Yes. That's the only way uh, that this podcast can move forward because it's the only way the Giants can move forward is if they sign quality pitchers and or trade for quality pitchers, which to me would be really fun to break down a blockbuster trade. Absolutely. And I am not going to sit in part of the house where the sun shines through my window and, and makes my lighting all weird, even though I did get my bobbleheads in the background finally. That was a lot of fun. It's always a lot of fun talking with you. Yeah, I miss I appreciate that. you taking the time. 